This production was originally recorded as a video podcast. To access the full video along with show notes, visit orosplaybook.com. Welcome to the Oros Playbook, a podcast series designed to educate organizations on how to utilize Oros in a way that helps them become more knowledge aware. Knowledge aware is the new approach that transforms the way knowledge is captured, shared, and reused. On today's show, knowledge modeling methods. So we have two different types of knowledge modeling. Um, we cover value tables, which is the other type in a different cast. And today we're going to go over methods and how to knowledge, how to model knowledge in a method. So Jeff, today we have three learning points on the show. Why don't you go through what the learning points are at a high level? Sure thing. So as we discussed in the first cast, the knowledge packet is all about readying knowledge for use. It's a key component of the knowledge aware process. So in readying knowledge for reuse, we really need to achieve three uh, properties of knowledge that get stored. And these three properties are our learning points for today. So the first one is precise. How do we ensure that knowledge is captured accurately and is fully articulated in a way that's going to promote reuse? That's the first one. Second learning point is standardization. And this is how knowledge gets captured in a way that means that it's author independent. I mean, how many times in your experience have you seen uh, knowledge repositories that are greatly varied based on author? Yeah, traditionally we see Word documents, PowerPoints, PDFs. It could be a number of different things, and it's very difficult to keep those kinds of things standardized. Right. Totally lack of standard. Even with templates, they don't get standardized. So we're going to talk about standardization uh, as a learning point and how uh, methods will uh, help us get there. And the last one is, is what we call executable. Uh, so to the extent that knowledge is inherently actionable and ultimately executable, this is a hugely important aspect in becoming ready for reuse. Again, ready for reuse is an important um, uh, aspect of being knowledge aware. So again, the three learning points today are, are for our methods are precise, standardized, and executable. Okay, so let's take a look at some practical examples of how methods can be used in assessment controls. So we'll open up our assessment control. The first view that we're going to see is the line item view. So this is very familiar. We've gone into this in previous casts. We'll see this a lot throughout all the different shows that we do. Um, very similar to what we've seen before. So we're gonna switch over from the line item sheet. So we're in the same assessment control and we're gonna now take a look at the method view. So here we have a very simple method. There are three steps laid out in a sequence of how they need to be completed. So one before the other. And Jeff, explain to us a little bit about how this basic method here can help us achieve the three learning points. Sure. First, let's start with restating what you did just because I want to make sure everybody understands. Our strategy here is start with something extremely simple and build out the complexity, right, to help people shepherd them along. And we did that. With, we're going to be doing that in all, our, all of our casts. So like you said, this is a fairly standard way to visualize process as a flowchart. That's what a method is. It's a granular um, process or flow uh, that can represent a decision process, a sequence of events, pretty much any kind of process can be represent, represented in a method. And I think you've seen with your customer experience a wide array of, array of um, representations of process in methods. So here we have, as you said, three steps. 
And on the first step, um, and on any step, there's a wide uh, and rich vocabulary and structure uh, to annotate steps so that an author or an expert or a conveyor of experience can represent what they've learned in a consistent way. So one kind of idea is to have a binary attachment. Here we have an image um, and we click on it and we have a fairly intricate system of being able to view videos, sound files, images. Here we have an image, there can be multiple images, but the idea is that we can relay process and images and sequence them quite nicely uh, in a way that's effective for the reuse of the knowledge. So this would be supporting information on activity that is being communicated via step one. Right. So when we talk about being precise, we need to be able to fully articulate and convey from expert to end user and what better way to do that than with, with binary attachments, uh, video, sound, and images. Right. Okay, and of course there's all kinds of other descriptions and attachments um, that we'll get into later. But now let's talk about more about uh, standardization and executability. So we want to understand um, that a person can not only view and interact with the process, but track and communicate with others on how they're going through the process. And that's the same as an assessment, uh, only here we're talking about method assessment. So one way to do that is to understand throughput of the process. How far has the reuser of knowledge made it through the process? Can we track their footsteps through the process, so to speak? So kind of like what have they done? What do they still need to do? That kind of stuff. Precisely. So here what we're going to do is we're going to right click on a step and we're going to attest completion. So I'm manually coming in and I'm saying I'm done with this. Right. The user is saying they're done with it. They're communicating to everybody else who's subscribed or a participant in this assessment. And now it's clear that on this day, this person has said that we finished this step and the method assessment is actually giving a visual cue that we're on to the next step. You can see now that that step one has been uh, marked as complete and it's visualized that it's complete and step two, the text has turned blue and we're now uh, engaged in that step. So there's two things happening here. One is the attestation and tracking of the attestation, which is common to assessments. Um, and then there's the executableness, the executable uh, factor, which is that the assessment is now being executed and tracking the attestation and sequence of attestation. So now we're on to the next step. And of course, there's all the history reports and, uh, and these kind of events that are there for data and for mining and for BI later on. But for now, let's keep it simple. We've got a three-step process. We're now on step two, and the system is tracking that and communicating that to others. So the, the standardization part, I guess there's a lot of different levels of this, but the one we're demonstrating here is you're going to manually attest that you completed something. So the way that people say they're done is standardized. And then when we mark this complete, it lights up the next step and that's the execution part. Right. So they're very related, but they're two separate items. Right, and I would say there's another dimension of standardization here that's a little harder to see in demonstration, but the way the method is actually constructed, the tools that are provided to the, the, the person who's representing their experience and knowledge, that's a tool set that, that makes common the way the process is represented. You could go to Visio and do a flowchart, right? And someone, your colleague can go to Word and create a flowchart in Word. They're not very good. Someone could just write a process description. I've seen many standard work documents that don't contain any kind of visual process. They're just paragraphs and subparagraphs and subparagraphs. The idea here is that standard work or 
decision trees are all represented in this Visio-like way that now becomes a model of the decision or the process, and that provides a great deal of standardization. Okay, so let's take the simple method, and now let's add a little bit of complexity to it. Sounds like a plan. So I'm going to open up the knowledge packet. We'll view it in detail view, and now we're going to add something that we call branching logic to this method itself. Right, because most processes have some kind of logical sequence that takes a user in a different direction based on some answer, right? So right. let's add that complexity. Okay, so we're going to get rid of the middle step. And now we're going to add in our decision point. So we've got a new shape that's going to signify we have a decision. I'm going to connect the logic of our method into the additional steps. So now, based on our decision, we have two different ways that we could potentially go. So this fork represents the two different paths in a process, pretty common to processes or decisions. And we're using our Latin text because we don't want a whole lot of context here, but we want to have something on it. So this is going to be step four. Looks good. And now we're going to go back to our decision. We're going to name it decision, which I think makes sense. And now we want to add the branching logic. Right. So while you're editing the branching logic, um, I'll say that, you know, Oros models knowledge in a very consistent way. When you look at the cast on value tables, for example, you'll see that logic modeling is all done through these table formats. And the table format does uh, is a very powerful yet intuitive way of modeling all forms of logical conditions without coding, right? It's kind of, it's really pretty cool. So I see that you've set up your decisions here as a yes or no. There's lots of different ways of doing it, but obviously on yes, we're going to branch three, and on no, we're going to branch four. Right. And we can name these parameter names things. For this, we're just going to keep them the general uh, system-generated parameter name. But those are customizable based on context of the process or whatever it is. So now we see we've got our decision. If yes is the answer to our question, then we're going to go to three. If no is the answer, we're going to go to four. So let's go back to the assessment control now. We're going to save this knowledge packet. Record change will enable the change to be propagated to all the assessments that use that, that particular decision or flow or process. Yep. So now here is our new knowledge packet. So now we've got to go to our assessment control. And now we're going to refresh the assessment to pick up the change. Wow. There's our decision tree. Right. So our execution is still there. We still have the attestation from the first step in this. It's executed to the decision tree, and now we need to make our decision. So we're going to come in, select no, and now our execution takes us the right path based on the decision. Fantastic. And accord with our learning points, we have the idea of being precise, standardized, and executable, and how methods enable us to do this. So now we see that the method is the logic is executing in a standardized format that will be consistent from author to author, from decision to process, and it's very precise. The grammar of the method itself is rich enough 
to convey in great detail the intent of the person with the expertise. Right. So the intent is when you say no, go to this step as opposed to going to step three. Right. I, I, I have an example for you, Josh. Uh, okay. I recall a specific customer that had to decide or tell how a, a part was going to be labeled. And they had chosen to use a PowerPoint file. And it was like many, many, many slides with each having different conditions. Right. But with a single method KPAC, they could represent that decision tree on the size of the label, the type of text, the colors to be used. And the reuser wasn't sorting through a file that they happened to have to find, but instead they executed the decision of how that label was chosen is recorded, went back to the expert, and the whole process of understanding the decision was made far better and more robust than it would have been in that PowerPoint. So I, I think I know the example you're talking about. Yeah. It was like 38 PowerPoint slides that yeah. people had to flip through and figure out how to get from one slide to the next. When, which slide do they need to use, right. right? Each slide was separate conditions and you weren't really answering questions and flowing through a decision model. Uh, and you know the annotations weren't particularly good, even though PowerPoint is a very rich tool. It wasn't quite as sequential as it should, as it could be, as it is in one of these methods. And certainly after the user used the an end user used the PowerPoint, the company had no way or understanding how that decision was made, and that data was lost for future intelligence and analytics and AI type techniques that then we can use to understand how we're making decisions. Right, and they reduced what from thirty eight. PowerPoint slides, one KPAC with, I think it was three questions. Yes, that's what it was. Okay, so now that we've added the decision, so we have multiple different paths in the method, let's add a different kind of logic to step four. So I'm gonna open up the knowledge packet again in edit mode. We're gonna to go to step four. So I'm gonna edit the method. We're gonna open up step four. And we just did branch logic. Now we're going to add something that is very similar called logic um, so that we can kind of quantitatively evaluate something. Right. So what we're doing is we're adding a model within the model um, to replace the attestation. And we'll explain what that is after you completed it. But we're creating a model. And like the, log the branching logic, the model is created with this value table. So these value tables are over and over and over again. There's a whole lot of cool things we can do with value tables. You said you're going to do a quantitative model here. They can also be qualitative. Um, so I see that you're uh, setting up um, a simple range, um, which is a really good, simple example. Um, but there's all kinds of different numerical and attribute type relationships that can be expressed. And in this way, we're going to be able to replace the attestation and gather more uh, and more detailed data about how the decision was made. Right. So like you said, these things can become, we have customers who are using extremely complicated formulas or complex formulas and different decision models and trees and so on and so forth. We're keeping this very simple just for the purposes of the demonstration. Exactly. It can, this, this, the ideas can be extended almost indefinitely. So we ourselves here at Oros use these all the time in our software factory process to represent both quantitative and qualitative attributes of our software factory process. Right. So we're good practitioners. <laughs> yeah, we, we try to be, right? So we've saved the knowledge packet. Now we need to come in and refresh the screen so that we can put the change into effect. 
So we see the branch logic on our second step. We've executed over to step four, and now we have the logic on the fourth step. Right, the lightning bolt represents that there's a logical element to that step. So previously, we right-clicked and said we completed it. Right. Not we completed it okay, or we completed it yeah. uh, good, or we completed it bad. We just completed it, and it's the opinion of the person. So we want to take that a step further, where it's data-driven, where it's model-driven. Right, so let's go ahead and do that. Yeah, so we call that increased fidelity. Increase so fidelity. attestation is one level of fidelity. And then as we start to increase fidelity, we know what that attestation actually means. Right, and we're more confident that the answer is the right answer. So here I put in a range, I'm gonna put in my value. So this screen is, is derived specifically from the model you put into that step. So it was a desired range and Perhaps you make it non, okay, we'll make it com, uh, compliant. That's good. And so it did two things now. It marked it complete mm -hmm. and it evaluated it to a complete with quality status. I misspoke. It did three things. It's also tracking the decision data point of the, of the value, which was to be evaluated against the range. And that is tracked over time across projects, across divisions. So when you say that, you mean it keeps track of the fact that I put two in as the value. Right, or if you had three yesterday, or if a sibling project put in 5.6, uh, or some external system provided a value digitally, and we're just visualizing the results, because this is a model, we can interface it to other models external to the process and just visualize the evolution of the process and the qualitative status of the process and the completion of the process. And you know, as you know me, I'm a big believer in this data stuff. So as we're doing this, we now have data that we wouldn't have had otherwise if a person were just following a flowchart in Visio or just checking off something in a checklist. Right, because we've got the values that were used, we understand how the decision was made, we understand the time and the flow of the process uh, to get to an ultimate decision and even the incremental decisions that were made within that decision process. Right, so the three things that it's doing is it's tracking the information that we put in. So like it's keeping track of the two in this particular scenario. It's marking complete with a level of adherence, the green to the, the red. The compliance, yep. The conformance. The conformance, and then it's also executing. It's executing. Well, the execution is all of those things, right? Right. Okay, so I think we have one more thing we want to cover in this particular cast, and it's now timing. So we right. know a lot of people have processes. They run projects that go years, months, whatever it might be, and there are certain timing milestones within those processes. So our methods can also support those. Right, and there's a lot of other dimensions to process that our method models can contain and leverage. We're just using, we're, this is, we're, you know, we're gonna keep it under time, so we're going to finish with this timing element, which I think is a good one. Right, so now we're back in edit mode of the knowledge packet. We're going to add our timing mechanism. So the timing's gonna go at the end of our process. So I'm gonna get rid of these arrows, move our endpoint over a little bit, and now we're going to add the checkpoint. So I'll say again, Josh, we use these checkpoints all the time in our software factory process methods, right? Uh, the key uh, timing elements of our process are denoted with these checkpoints and we use it to measure our ability to glide path down to our eventual release process. 
Right. We have customers that use them for project timing, all sorts of different things. And then as the data is put into assessment controls, we can start to track that data over time, similar to the things we've been talking about already. So, so briefly, the checkpoint is a date-oriented logical element of a method. Yes. Okay, so let's name our checkpoint real quick. And we're gonna call this a due date. So there's three different kinds of checkpoints that we can put in place. We're gonna use a basic due date and we'll show the functionality that the others are versions of checkpoints as well that we right. won't get into today. But. Yeah, the, the more sophisticated modeling where checkpoints are dependent on other checkpoints or dependent on uh, milestones that flow in from external systems, we do all of those things. Here we're just setting up a very simple uh, example with a, with a due date. So now we're going to refresh again to pick up the change that we made of adding the checkpoint. There we go. So our timing flags in place and there's a number of different ways that these can be visualized. So right now there's no dates associated with it at all. So it's just showing uh, in an opaque state as we start to add dates to it. Why don't I pick a date out in the future. So this kind of mechanism with a due date would be used on a team that's fairly autonomous where they're setting their own milestones. Right. It doesn't have to be this way. The milestones, the plan date can be cascaded in or dependent on other variables. Here, it's the, the team is picking it. Right, yeah, we're just going through the simple format of how these things can operate. Right. So the first thing we see is we've got a date out in the future and our status is pending. So it's not complete. The date's out in the future, it's pending, and it's gonna show up as this silver or this gray color. So now, let's take that date, and let's move it into the past, and it shows as overdue. So I'm gonna actually close the rule processor window here, and we've got a red flag. So red indicates that this is something that is not complete and the date has passed by, the planned date for when it should be complete. And we're not showing the reporting features today, but obviously we roll these things up and show overdue dates from multiple projects, from multiple uh, method uh, assessments, these kinds of things. Right. So just to show how, what the other statuses are for these checkpoints, if we say that we are complete, but it happened after the date was due, it's going to show up as orange or yellow, depending on your color palette, right? Schedule missed. So the schedule's missed. We're showing yellow here. And now the last one that we'll show is we completed it and it was on time. And that's going to show up as green. I so like green. schedule met. Green's better. Green is, green is always better. <laughs> At least at our software factory. And I'm sure all of our customers all like the green. That is the best. Fantastic. So now we've introduced branching logic modeling capability into the overall process model, the flow model. We've introduced um, the, a, a mini model inside of a step that replaces the testation and gives us the data tracking, gives us the uh, status of complete, non-complete, as well as the, um, the qualitative status of, you know, in this case, green, could be any kind of color. And now we've added also the timing elements. So not the full gamut of modeling capability, but a broad, fairly broad swath of modeling grammars to, um, that are available within the method KPAC within an assessment. Right, and this is kind of the foundation or the building block for what we've talked about is how this model-based world, and then we can start to connect these to other things and you don't have to manually attest to this type of stuff. 
this is the foundation of this that they can then be expanded into those other areas. Right, so you touched on a key point that you everybody often hears me say, is it's all great, we can work with it interactively through web page, but the model-based enterprise suggests that the models, the external models will be interacting with these models and we'll be using this interface more as a reporting tool to understand where problems are and, and how things are going and less about a tool for people to be uh, all at least clicking in all the time. Right. Okay. So that's all the content that we have for today. But before we end, let's recap the learning points and how what we've shown over the last 15 or 20 minutes helps us to accomplish those learning points. Right. So we started with the idea of knowledge aware and an important concept within the knowledge aware process is readying knowledge for reuse. And we said that our learning points today were really about how knowledge is ready for use by being precise, by being standardized, and by being executable. So in many ways, we saw the, the, the modeling, the flowchart itself, and the templates that are available to the author, to the expert, uh, enables a rich description of the process. That enables them to be precise, to be able to convey exactly what they needed to convey in detail. The standardization comes through that template, through the idea of what a knowledge packet method is and the tools that are available. It means that from author to author to author, you'll generally get the same looking, feeling, acting, behaving description of process or decision. And then of course, we've shown quite, quite vividly, I think, that the method becomes a model. And once it's a model inside of an assessment, it becomes executable. And in executing, we increase fidelity, we gather data to do later insights, we communicate broadly across the stakeholders that are interested in that process or that decision, uh, and those are the benefits. So with the method KPAC, you get precise, precise, standardized, executable knowledge. Right on. Thanks for joining us on the Oros Playbook. For more information, visit our website, oroscast.com. Additional casts can be found on the resources page. And as always, you can follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and our YouTube channel. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon.